My guest this week is Aaron Dale, a father to two boys, Amari, aged 14, and Tyler, aged eight, both from two separate relationships, neither of which he is now in. Aaron's page on Instagram, Raising Boys to Men, started out as him creating a series of memories with his sons for them to look back on, but in more recent times has become a resource for all things co-parenting. Aaron's direct and passionate videos on the topic of co-parenting are captivating. Even for someone like myself who has a very different family setup, I always check out his videos because he speaks so well on the topic and I've often shared clips with others who I know will benefit from watching them. In our conversation, we discussed his own upbringing and what it was like without having a consistent father figure in his life. This then led nicely into a discussion about the type of father he always wanted to be and how despite being in relationships that haven't worked out, how he's been able to maintain a healthy relationship with his sons as an active and present father. We also spoke about why he's such an advocate for therapy, having started his own journey with it a few short months ago. So here it is, episode five of the Diary of a Dad podcast with Aaron Dale. So how are you, Aaron? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me on. Like literally, I've been I've been watching you for a while, and um, and yeah, I love your content. So when you reached out, it was an absolute honour. Amazing. No, thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to to get together and have this conversation. Um, similar to yourself, I, I again can't remember when I started following you online, um, but it's been a while and. I think the thing that's always stood out to me is just the the, the clarity um, that with which you talk, the you know the, convic- <laughs> the conviction that you have for a very particular topic, which obviously we're going to get onto. Um, you know your strand of, of fatherhood, and yeah, that's for me. I, I I knew that when I was putting this podcast together, it was really important for me to have a conversation with a real cross section of dads. Um, you know, I think we've all got very different setups, situations, stories to tell. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to learn a little bit more. I'm all open. I'm, I'm an open book. So amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, the first thing that I do with all of the guests is we, we just have a little bit of a conversation where we take it right the way back. I think it's good to sort of set the scene almost. Um, and in terms of fatherhood, that's, kind of or parenthood that's kind of where we're going you know back to the beginning what was life like for a young Arendale okay so um I was raised by just my Mm mum um it was a single parent household um I was raised by pretty much women in the sense of my mum my nan and my auntie I have an uncle as well but he was quite I suppose he was the only boy so he was off doing his own thing Mm -hmm. um my dad was not about but it's it's a it's a crazy story in the sense of I grew up on an estate in South London with me and my mum on the other end of the estate was my dad with his other family right um so I was basically the result of my dad cheating on his partner I was then the result of that he then went back to his family and carried on that life so I have three half sisters Um, One who's a year older than me Mm -hmm. and two younger than me. Um, But yeah, my dad, I I guess I was pretty much the child that they wanted to forget about. Um, So my dad was very inconsistent. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of like the start. We, we lived on an estate, me and my mum up until the age of nine. Um, And then myself and my mum left the estate um, to go somewhere else. And, um, my dad was pretty much, I'd probably say from the age of nine to 16, I saw him once up to the age of nine, even though we was living on the same estate, I probably, he probably showed his face a handful of times. Right. So not the most stable of, of sort of upbringings, early situation. How do you remember that time and that make it because I know you're so you're so open and honest about about that relationship in particular. Yeah. How did you feel while all of that was was going on? Because that's that's a, it's a crazy story. 
it's a very crazy story because I guess as a child you want you want that feeling of like my dad my dad's there I feel like a father provides that security right so that that security that a woman not that they can't but it's a different kind of protection when you know your dad's around mm. you just feel like he's the superhero yeah and um for all the great work my mum did I just never had that kind of like protection of a man um so there was I always kind of felt like I was missing something um but you don't quite know what at that age you just kind of feel like well why is my dad not around is it because of me um right. and and because he would for example I'll tell you a story so at the age of nine, when we left the estate, he um, he came to see me and he took me to um, to KFC. Because he was so inconsistent, my mum would never let him in the house. Yeah. So whenever I would see my dad, I would come out of the house and go in his car. So I remember he took me to KFC and he said, I'm going to be around more. Um, I know I haven't really made an effort. I'm going to make more of an effort. I love you. You're my son. He got me chicken and chips. What nine-year-old doesn't want chicken and chips? So, <laughs> so I'm hearing, I'm hearing the words I want to hear. I'm getting chicken and chips. And then I didn't see him again until I was 16. Mm. So you're just thinking, it's so inconsistent. And, mm. and um, I guess in that time, I, my mum met, met a partner, a male partner, um, who turned out to be quite abusive as well. Mm. So my examples of men or father figures are either they're not around, they're very inconsistent, or if you're living with a man, he turns out to be abusive. So I had no real positive example of what a man or father should be. Right. And I mean, we'll get into the conversation around, I guess, how that then transpires and develops for you. But it's it's quite I found it very interesting when I've been talking to various guests and people that didn't have a father around, it seems as though some of them very early on had already made up their mind about what they would be like as a father when they grew up, almost like it accelerated that thinking process because for those that did have a dad around, some say that, you know, they, they weren't really thinking about, becoming a parent or never thought about having their own kids. What was your experience with that? Did you sort of think, I, I just need to be the best dad that I could be one day? You know what it was for me? It was because my family's so small as well. It, it's pretty much me, my mum, my nan, um, and my auntie and my uncle, very small family. There's not a lot of extended family. Right. So I wanted a big family. Uh, so I kind of, I seeked that from an early age. You know what? I, I want I want a family. But in terms of my representation of what a family looked like, it was my wife and kids. Everybody loves Raymond. I saw those TV programs <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to be that type of family. Um, mm. But yeah, from a, from a young age, I felt like I want to be a dad. But it's, it was almost, it was almost because I felt that I guess the love of a child to a dad is unconditional, right? That mm. that that love there. So it was almost maybe like there was a, a gap of my dad not being there that I wanted to then fill with my fill. own child being there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And that I think that makes perfect sense. And as I say, there seems to be some sort of consistency around people that have been in a, a similar situation to yourself. So you've got that family dynamic and you now know that at some point you're going to be a, a, a father. You, you're already thinking ahead to that. What impact did that have sort of on those early relationships? Oh, um, <laughs> I guess if I'm, if I'm honest, I guess I was quite reckless. Um, if I'm being hundred percent honest, um, I had, I met my eldest mum. I met at the age of 20, 20, about around 20. I think we met at 20. And we wasn't in the greatest relationship. It wasn't a long relationship. It was probably around nine, 10 months we was together. Mm. And we was actually coming to the end of that relationship. We could tell it, it wasn't really, it wasn't really going places. It wasn't really a great relationship, but at that point she fell pregnant. Right. And um, I've not really shared this story before, but she um, originally, um, we was going to have an abortion. Right. So we was going to have an abortion. 
um, because we just felt that we wasn't ready, too young. The relationship isn't where it wants, where we want it to be, and it, it wasn't. He wasn't planned. Right. Um, and we got up to the point, Ben, when she went into the abortion clinic to have it, to have it done. And as the man, I have to stay outside. And um, they told they told me to come back in. They gave me a time to come back, and I came back, and um, she came out in tears. And I was like, "What's what's wrong?" And she says, "They wouldn't let me do it." So I said, mm-hmm. what, "What do you mean they wouldn't let you?" And I came to find out what they do is they have questions that they ask before they're about to carry out the procedure, I guess. Right. And based based on the woman's response, they will then basically make a decision. No, we don't think you're certain enough. Right. So therefore, they won't they won't they won't proceed with the with the procedure, which is now a blessing, an absolute blessing. I'm so grateful. But at the time, we'd got our head around, okay, we're not going to have a child. Mm. And then literally within an hour or so, okay, we're doing this now. We need to tell our parents what we're going to do. So right. literally, I felt like everything just turned upside down at that moment in time. And that must have been such a, a whirlwind of emotions to kind of just experience that and you mentioned sort of telling your parents there is were was your mom in particular was she aware of sort of the status of the relationship and that you know things probably weren't working out yeah my mom um my mom had met her and she'd been she was she was around quite a lot and I think they had a good relationship to be fair but um I think she'd seen us argue as well and Mm. I just feel at that age your, your mom just wants better for you in the sense of, you know what, go off, live your life, travel, yeah. do all of those things. So um, in my head, I was like, how am I going to tell, how am I going to, how am I going to tell Mumsy? What am I, <laughs> what am I going to say? Um, so, so yeah, that, that conversation was, I think to be honest, I'm one of these types of people that let me just spit it out. Let me just, yeah. let me just drop it. Whatever happens after then, I'll, I'll deal with it. So um, mm-hmm. there wasn't really a build up. I just, I just let it out. Yeah. And um, do you remember her reaction to that? <laughs> I think it was more of a, oh no. Like, <laughs> as in kind of like, I wanted better for you. Mm-hmm. Like, um, she's always supportive. Um, and she's always one of these mums that's like, I'd rather know you've done something bad. Not that this was bad, but I'd rather know you've done something bad and be able to support you through it. Yeah. Then, then you keep it from me. Yeah. Um, and I can't help you. So, um, no, she was very supportive throughout the whole process. To be fair, oh, that's amazing. And I think you then of, I guess, having that support system around. Did that? Did you feel as though that was kind of what you needed? Because you've got no. I suppose this is the other thing. When people find out that they're going to become a, a dad it's always interesting who they go to for advice or, you know, to, to, to learn about it. You know, in some cases that's a very practical, I'm just going to go on the internet and look things up for other people. It's friends or family around them that are, that are dads that they can sit down and have deep and meaningful conversations with. And there's others that are just like, I'm just going to figure this out for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember what sort of position you were in at that, at that point in terms of just getting your head around fatherhood? I guess for me, one of the things I've never respected is are men that aren't present in their children's lives, but they blame it on the fact that their dad wasn't present in their lives. Right. Almost like they've carried on the tradition. Mm. I don't really know how to be a dad because I wasn't shown. Um, whereas from my point of view, I took what my dad did and did the opposite. Right. So I just looked at where were the gaps? How, what, what would I have wanted? What were, what were the feelings I went through? What, what do I not want my child to experience? Mm. Um, and I took it from there. But another thing that really was beneficial to me was my barbershop. Right. And, and I've, I've stressed the importance of this. <laughs> uh, a good, my barber is basically like my family um, right. because he's known me from such a young age. So that's someone that I will call uncle mm. and um, being around positive male role models um, allowed me to have that, those conversations, gave me someone to talk to. Um, so just because I guess your dad isn't around, 
it doesn't mean that you won't have other positive male influences around you. So thankfully, um, I had a few of those. Amazing. And yeah, those support systems, again, are just so, so, so key because, you know, we in this society that we live in, we know that families are so diverse, so different, very different circumstances. But I think it's just so important when people can find those people within their life to to just draw experience from and just to have open conversations because as you say this is a a very wild scenario that you suddenly find yourself in and it's very easy to to kind of get lost I guess uh, amongst all of that so how did the relationship sort of progress because obviously now you've 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 decided that you're you're going to go ahead you're, you're having this this baby was there a coming together, a reconciliation at that point where you were like, right, we're, we're a unit now? Or I, I think it was almost unspoken. Right. Like, you know what? Okay, we're in this together. Um, we're we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that can be more detrimental at times when you're trying to make something work. Right. Because of, you know what, we've got a child together or because we live together or because of this, um, rather than it being genuine. Yeah. You know what? I love you. You love me. And we're, we're going to get through this together. It was almost like I accept that I have to be here and right. you accept, you accept that I have to be here. So let's just be here together. Um, and um, yeah, it was looking back on it. Now we weren't, we weren't great together. Mm. We, we, we didn't really, our personalities clashed. Um, it's not, I will never put the mother of my children down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just that, I I was a very immature 21-year-old as well. I had a lot of growing to do. Mm-hmm. So looking back on myself now, I wasn't the most supportive person I could have been. And I wasn't the best, um, I feel, father at that age because I'm learning. I'm learning on the job. I haven't been shown certain things. I've never seen love within a home as well. That was the one thing that I feel... I wish I had seen. What does love look like? I never, I never really knew what love looked like. Mm. I wasn't shown it. I never saw it. Um, so then I guess you have your own interpretations of what real love is. And again, a lot of that I actually got from, from movies. Weirdly, I would see there's a, one of my favorite movies. I know people won't agree with this, but it's Baby Boy. I love Baby Boy with, Ty- with Tyrese, right. but there's a, there's a particular, <laughs> there's a particular moment in it where him and his partner are arguing and they're really going at it, really going at it. But the next minute they're having sexual intercourse and they're in love. And I, I saw that film at, I think about 17. And I looked at that and thought, that's love. Mm. The fact that you can argue with someone mm. and then just instantly, okay, we're having sex now is completely fine. But now as a grown man, I can see how toxic that type of relationship is. But I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't really aware of that at, the, at that time. Mm. And it's, again, you, these we talk about influences and where you're drawing your experiences from. And I, again, it's just crazy to hear that, you know, that's something that you were looking at and in your head that, that just made sense, um, you know. Because things were so sort of, I guess, rocky then or, or turbulent during that that pregnancy, I mean, was it something that you you did get stuck into and that you you felt that, you know, did you enjoy that experience? Because that's nine months of going through a, a situation like that. What, what was that like for you? I don't think, I don't think the present pregnancy was was fun for her. Right. I think she was the one carrying. And I feel like as a man, I could have supported more. Now, now if I think about my partner being pregnant, there's so many things I want to do. I want to make sure she's got this, she's got that. I want to make that whole experience as comfortable as possible. I feel there was quite a selfish element um, during that pregnancy. Oh, this is going to cost me money. How am I going to afford this? How am I going to be able to do this? Um, am I going to get have to get a new job? It was very much me, 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 which wasn't the right way to be. Um, but again, you can you can only reflect back on that as an older man, which is why I'm so passionate about what I do, allowing people to learn from that 21 year old version of me, mm. and and not potentially put a woman through those um, through those emotions and make the same mistakes I did. Yeah, 
I mean, it's already making so much sense to me where that that passion and the the drive comes from. As anyone that sort of follows you on socials, where you know you post these videos and it's you 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 are giving this advice and you're saying, "Look, guys, I know this is how you're going to be feeling or how you might be feeling, but actually, you know, there there is other ways of of handling that situation." So, talk me through the first time then that you. When your son is born, how was was that as a as an experience for the first time? It was scary, absolutely <laughs> scary. So um, his mom was induced, right? Um, and I remember us being in the hospital, and um, they ran a few tests, but they literally rushed her off for an emergency C section because mm. it was like something's wrong. Rushed her off, and it felt like five six hours had passed, but I'm sure it was probably an hour max. Mm. And they come back and they say, mum and baby are fine. So I'm like, okay, amazing. And they bought, they bought Amari in. Mm. So he, he comes in. We had no idea what the sex was going to be because I'm a fan of not finding. I like, I like that feeling <laughs> of, okay, let's, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. So I've got, I've got this child in front of me now who's wrapped up in a, in a towel. And I have no idea if it's a boy or if it's a girl. So I'm unwrapping, I'm unwrapping the towel to try and find what am I going to see? What body part am I going to see? And then I, and then I saw the, the, the mini penis and I was like, okay, I've got a son. Um, so I always remember that, not knowing mm. if this is a boy or a girl and I'm unwrapping this towel. And then I, I was so, because I feel like as a, as a young boy myself, I wanted a boy. Um, so when I saw that I had a son, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. And it's, I think I, I'm looking back. I mean, I admire anyone that waits until the point of the child being born before they find out what they're having. <laughs> Sophie and I, we just cannot do that. The, the earliest possible point that we can find out, we've, you know, we're there, we're, we're already planning what they're going to be wearing, what the rooms are going to be looking, all of that jazz. Um, so I admire anyone that, that can do that. But it's it's very interesting that for a lot of dads, they do feel certainly for the first child it's like the boy is the one that they feel as though they they want um you know and i think whilst we all we just want a healthy child i, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that initial preference you know mm. i think it it makes it i think for a lot of dads we then start to think about the things that we could do with that child and you know the the common ground and all of those sorts of things. Maybe that's the thing that just overrides that, that feeling. So then, so obviously you, you've now got a son, you got to go home, start life as a dad. What's the status of the relationship then now at this point? Because some, for some people, that point of having the child is the point where the realization kicks in and they go, okay, we're definitely now doing this together. What was it like for you guys? I remember an argument coming home from the from the hospital. Um, I'm I'm driving, and obviously she's had a C-section, and I go over a speed bump, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not thinking anything of it, and and she she basically shouts at me, and I'm I just remember my response being, I never put the speed bump there. Right. And that, that was, that's my, that was my mentality rather than, you know what, I'm sorry, let me slow down. It was kind of, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't put the speed bump there. Um, but she was living with her mum at the time and I was still living with my mum and, um, she had a small room at her mum. So although I was around there quite a lot, there wasn't really space for both of us to be there and, Although I tried, I'd stay over now and again and I'd help out and we'd do certain things together. It just was not, we just weren't happy. We just weren't mm. happy together. It was, it, you could tell it was very much forced. And I think the expectations she had of me, I, I wasn't meeting. Mm. Um, and I don't blame her for that. I don't blame her for that at all. Yeah. It's such a crazy time after, after childbirth, isn't it? There's, you think of everything that the woman has gone through anyway, even for a natural pregnancy, you know, let alone then you add on a C-section and, you know, just the medical complications that can come with that. Hormones are still raging. You know, it's it's just a, a real whirlwind. And then I guess adding in this cocktail, 
you know, the fact that you guys are technically living separately and trying to come together. Yeah, I, I, I can I can kind of see how that may not have been the most ideal setup. <laughs> at what point then did you guys, because obviously you're not together anymore. So at what yeah. point in the relationship did you decide that that wasn't working out for you? I feel like around maybe like six months, mm. um, I felt like we'd kind of completely kind of separated. Um, I know around the year, the year mark or just after that, it got really toxic in the sense of like the arguing got really, even though we weren't together, trying to still be around each other because it's kind of like, okay, we're not together, but we should, there's a key word there, should, we should be doing things as mum, dad, son. Mm-hmm. So we try and still force certain scenarios. And because we weren't happy with each other, we just end up arguing. And now we're arguing in front of our child. Mm-hmm. And that's when you kind of realise, all right, this has got to stop now. So let's let's kind of just accept where we are and, and focus on being the best parents we can be to our, our son, but just separately. Yeah. And so many families that I've spoken to who've been in this situation they they do say that you know that that period sometimes does extend for years and years I mean it seems like you guys kind of identified it quite early on and you know realized that that wasn't a good environment for your son but in some cases you know these this is going into the child being three four five or whatever the situation is and obviously the as the the child gets older the more aware they're becoming of, of what's going on and you're right you know the environment just toxic is is, is the, the best word for it I guess I think from a from the men that I work with and speak to on a regular basis I feel like the worry is if a man is not around his child or his child's mum or he's he's running the risk of another man coming in and taking his place mm. so so that's when you often find when um your child's mum gets with someone else a man can become extremely difficult, defensive, because he feels threatened by this other male. And I always say, as long as you're being the best dad you can be to your child, no one can ever take your place. But what often happens is when another man comes into the picture, our attention now is on the man and our attention is on the mum, which means our attention is off the child. Right. And that's where things can get difficult. We have to always remember our only reason for being there is the child. Whatever the mum is now doing is none of our concern unless it affects the child. But a lot of men can become so focused on, I don't want this man around my child. What are you doing? Where are you going? I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. That's not your focus. Well, that shouldn't be your focus. Yeah. And that's probably, well, I know you're saying it's it's probably easier said than done, isn't it? You know, in that moment, the, the all the emotions raging um, around things, it can't be easy. It, it, it definitely can't be easy. So when you guys decide then that you're now, you know, you're not together, but you are going to, I mean, for you, you've obviously made that decision that you want to be present. And was that a continual thing for you? Was that from the word go, you've, you've just been around? There was no doubt. I was never going to... Um repeat my dad's mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. There was nothing his mom could have done, even if she wanted to, to have kept me away um, because I was a good dad. I was always a good dad and that wasn't in, in dispute. My relationship with my son is amazing. Um, so that was just always my focus. You know what? Okay, relationship can be separate from the parenting. So how we are together is not going to affect how I am towards my son and as a father yeah and that's that's definitely to be commended I think because I think once you can get to that realization then it definitely does help to to progress things obviously you're a father to two (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) and there's is it six year gap between your boys yeah so Amari's my eldest he's 14 now and Tyler Mm. is eight both July babies as well oh same as same as my Arlo (laughs) <laughs> and what happens in between that period then so you've you've obviously you're you're being the best dad that you can be to Amari and you know you're you're present you're active you're enjoying that and, and taking that role very seriously 
what was the bit in the middle? Um, so I then, um, at my at my workplace, I meet Ty, who's Tyler's mum, my youngest mum, when Amari must have been about two. So we start a relationship. Um, I even bring her around Amari. They get along amazingly. And we was together for about four, four or five years. Right. Um, I informed, obviously, Amari's mum, which I'm a big fan of. If someone's going to be around your child, at least inform the other parent. Mm -hmm. It's not, it doesn't mean the other parent gets a say as to whether that can happen or not, but it's just having the respect to say, I'm now with someone, they're going to meet my child. Um, I just wanted to let you know, is there any questions you have, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be fair, Amari's mum was never really interested in meeting um, Tyler's mum before she became Tyler's mum anyway. And um, yeah, we used to get for about four, five years. And then she fell, um, she fell pregnant. Um, again, that wasn't planned. Um, and I remember at the time when she fell pregnant, um, my, my, my focus was I need to tell Amari's mum now. And I was just in this panic of, uh, is that going to make things, how is she going to react? Is she going to, yeah. is this going to, is this going to be an issue? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just remember um, psyching myself up like, okay, I'm going to drop Amari back. I'm going to then um, ask to speak to his mum because we wouldn't really talk. Me, um, our relationship was pretty much come and see your son, take him when you have him, um, pay me my my monthly money mm-hmm. and and we'll speak as and when needed outside of that. Um, so I drop Amari off and I say to his mum, can I, can I talk to you? My heart is beating, bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And, and um, I remember whenever I get nervous, I always feel like my voice is shaking. It's probably not, but I always have this feeling that my voice is, my voice is shaking. And, and I say to her, um, I just wanted to let you know, but Amari's going to be a big brother. She seemed so unfazed. She was like, oh, okay, congratulations. Um, he'll be, he'll be very, very happy. And in my head, I was like, is that it? Like, you don't, you got no questions, but she was, but that's pretty much her in the sense of, and I, I admire that about her. She won't really get herself involved in my business. She doesn't really want to know too much. My role is to just be there for Amari. And as long as I'm doing that, she's completely happy. Yeah. And it sounds as though, because, and that, that's got to be in part, I believe, because you were doing a good job. Um, I find that just through conversations that I've had, again, so many different conversations with different people in different situations. And it's almost at the point where there's any friction, you know, like if you hadn't been doing your job as a father very well, that would have been a cause for friction. And so then adding in this other conversation about now there's another child on the way with somebody else, it's almost like that could have been the thing that then would have triggered, you know, even more of, even more friction to happen. So again, the idea of doing things the right way and being present, being active and, you know, just doing what you need to do, I believe sometimes stands people in good stead for whatever develops in the future. No, I think you're hundred percent right there. And, and you're right. If I feel like if the relationship had been, if I hadn't been present to then know, okay, you're going to have another child, which, so that, does that mean you're going to have less time for our child? Yeah. So, yeah. So no, that's a great point. Yeah. I think that it, it must be just so hard to not do the comparison game in, in certain circumstances when, when you know, split families like this are, are, are involved. So then you've now got child number two, Tyler on the way. Yeah. And was this pregnancy into childbirth, post-childbirth was that now very different or are you in a similar situation relationship wise (laughs) um if i'm if i'm honest um yeah things weren't things weren't great although like i love the mothers of my children um but with me and tyler tyler's mom we was very much although we was together for four or five years it was very much on and off um so we would be together for a year maybe break up for a bit get back together and it was it was quite consistent throughout the four or five year period, um, and yeah, we. Um, I feel like when Tyler was born, we we weren't we were both aware that we're not together. Right. Um, 
So, but we were still doing this together, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and for me, it was, it was the frustration of feeling like I'm repeating my dad's mistakes in the sense of, okay, I'm having children by different women. I'm becoming my dad. Even though I'm nothing like him, I just felt that I was starting to feel like that. And there were so many things I hadn't unpacked um, or kind of talked about. So I'm carrying a lot of this on my shoulders. Mm. Um, and and yeah, that was, um, it was, it was a much better, we've got a much better relationship. My relationship with Tyler's mum is amazing. We get along so well mm. compared to me and, me and um, Amari's mum. Um, but we just weren't, again, we just weren't right for each other. And I know that's, that, that might sound like a cop out, but I'm just not a believer in enforcing it. I just don't feel like you can force certain relationships. If you're going to do life together with someone, we're talking mm. life, and your children are going to see mum and dad every day, I feel they have to see mum and dad happy. Yeah. And, I, and now, now I can say I would rather, like Tyler's mum is now married. Tyler has a stepdad. And I love that because Tyler now gets to see his mum happy. Happy, yeah. And and I would have prevented that. Mm. So to know that Tyler's stepdad has been able to give his mum a level of happiness that I never could, I'm I'm so I'm just happy for that. I'm happy that she's happy. My son gets to see love. That's a win-win for me. Yeah. Such a a mature approach to the whole situation because Again, I can just imagine, and we all know examples where that just isn't the case, you know, those feelings of animosity and, you know, all the negativity that surrounds this this situation. I, I actually feel as though, and again, maybe, I don't know, I don't even necessarily think it's the media, but just maybe, we, maybe we're so conditioned to hearing about the bad examples, you know, the, the people that are like got really, really terrible situations. Maybe those ones come to the fore. So actually, it's quite refreshing to hear, you know, you talking in this way. And I know that you talk with lots of other dads and lots of other parents about, you know, their setups. And so I, I think it's nice sometimes just to to hear that not every family that isn't conforming to the the standard or, you know, whatever it is that we might think is, is the norm, it, it can work, you know. As long as there's maturity involved, then, you know, things things can work. I think the 22-year-old version of myself thinking of my child having a stepdad, mm. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. That 22-year-old yeah. version of me would not have allowed it to happen. But I feel that there's, there's always that fear. No child's going to, no man's going to be around my child. Like, you're almost claiming the mum as yours. Yeah. Like she doesn't have a right to move on. Like, no, she's got my child, so therefore she's mine. Mm. And and that's not the case. Um, and although I was quite resistant at first to meeting Tyler's mum's partner at the time, um, I remember we met, he was he'd taken Tyler to football. And because his mum couldn't couldn't make it, so he'd taken Tyler to football. And I was collecting Tyler. So the first time we met was actually a handover. Right. Um, so I've gone to I've gone to football and I had no idea what this guy looked like, to be honest. <laughs> um I was just told, oh, Bradley's gonna be there with Tyler. Um, so I go in there and most other dads are quite old. So I knew I kind of pointed him out straight away. He had a bald head, beard. I was like, that's pretty much me. So <laughs> so his his mum's got a certain type. Um and um went over to him, introduced myself, we shook hands, and instantly just kicked it off mm. and meeting her partner at the time he made me feel comfortable he didn't have to he didn't have to make me feel comfortable but I just felt there was a level of respect from him from him he informed me that he had a child himself um so he was aware of the co-parent dynamics and it was just a really healthy conversation and I left feeling I like this guy mm. I'm I don't, I don't mind this guy. And I feel like if we avoid those conversations happening because we don't want the dad to meet the partner, so we don't tell the dad, or we, um, we can kind of create these dangerous environments where there is ego thrown in. There is this kind of like protection because you don't know who this other guy is. Mm. Whereas if you sometimes just allow men to meet, 
like it can actually turn out to be an amazing thing and that that I'm 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 so grateful that he's in my child's life. Yeah. I think you can't beat an adult mature conversation. I always mm. say this when we talk about even even on social media I, I talk about this all the time in that social media can be such a wonderful place when you can have that honest respectful interaction you know you, just because you don't agree necessarily with with what someone said or, or that they've done as long as it's approached in a respectful way i think you know progress can be made and obviously this in this scenario is is an even greater example of just how that can work and, and can all come together so with your boys then now have you always had do you have sort of really fixed routines in terms of when you know that you're, you're going to see the boys um or how, how does that whole thing work for you i think routine is so important not just for the mum and the dad but the child mm. because i feel like kids thrive in routine yeah and they when they feel comfortable they they excel in my in my opinion anyway so I have my children every other weekend, mm -hmm. um, have them both together. I'll make sure they're both together. Um, however, if I want to arrange to see them in the week, uh, I'll do so. My son's 14 now, so he doesn't really even <laughs> want to come at the weekend sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel that, that that pattern is so important. And when it comes to Christmas, for example, um, we do a rotation. So okay. one year, one year I will collect the boys on Christmas Eve. They will wake up with me on Christmas morning mm -hmm. and then they will go back to their mums in the evening on Christmas day. The next year I will collect them on the evening on Christmas day and have them for boxing day. Mm -hmm. So that way, that way they both get the, they get to spend that time with their mum. They get to spend the time with their dads. I feel like it's, that, I feel like that's important. Sometimes we can be selfish as parents. No, I, I want my child on Christmas, but that child should get to experience Christmas with their dad or with their mum. It should be a, a shared responsibility in my in my opinion yeah it definitely again just for that calm cohesive way of things being done <laughs> and just running it seems as though splitting things equally is is the the best way to do it um and it sounds as though you you've kind of always had that mentality of of wanting to just to just do that and be do things right by your your boys and I guess that's where the, the the commendation comes. You know, I think I've seen so many that probably aren't handled in the best possible way. And um, it, it, it's, it's just very confusing for everyone involved. I think the question I ask myself sometimes is what kind of dad would I have wanted? Mm. And I think when I talk to men, I speak to them about what fatherhood means to them. So when they grew up, what was their understanding of fatherhood? And how did that make them feel? How did their dad make them feel? And once you have those emotions and you can tap into those emotions, it should make you better. When I just feel like you know what your dad's been like. You know if that was a good experience or a bad experience. Yeah. Work, work with that to create an even better experience for your child. Yeah. It, it does make me think, why do you think then that, some just still get it wrong. Why do you think there is that case of history often repeating itself? I feel, I feel like we don't own, I feel like we don't own our own, sorry to say. I feel like we, we can have the blame game, right? Like I said earlier, like, oh, I wasn't shown. And, and it's, it's just, you have to be willing to invest. If you start, I always use this analogy. If you start, a job at a new company, right? And you know, there's benefits to that company. Like if you progress, you're going to take the time to read the manual, to, to work extra hours because you know, there's something in it for you. You can work your way up the ladder, but you've never been shown. You'll just figure out that job as you go along, read everything you need to. When it comes to parenting, it doesn't matter what you were shown before. Hmm. Read the books, speak to the mum, dive in, be invested in that. Be invested in your child and you'll learn so much as you go along, but you have to be willing to be invested. I just think some men are not willing to invest. Yeah. So really good analogy. Um, I think that that sort of sums it up so, so well because, 
and this is probably in this scenario, this is literally like the biggest investment <laughs> that you you could make, you know, in in terms of of dealing with that. How does the dynamic work then with you? So obviously now you've got you've got sons that have got other males in their lives um, yeah. and other other role models around. How does this make you feel in terms of things that you need to educate your boys on in life? Are there certain things that you just feel right? With? This is my responsibility. Like nobody else could have this this conversation with them. You know what? I feel like I used to think that. And now my mindset is very much like, does it benefit my child? Is my right. child okay? For example, I always wanted to teach my children how to ride a bike. But Tyler's stepdad ended up teaching him how to ride a bike because he's around him more, more than I am. And it's that acceptance that there is a man who's around my child more than I am. So therefore, if I wait to have conversations or do certain things with my child, my child may actually be at a disadvantage. Because mm. imagine if I was, if it was only me teaching my child to ride a bike, my child would only be learning every other weekend, every so often. <laughs> yeah. Whereas his step, his stepdad could take him out every day on that mm. bike, spend the 30 minutes with him here, hour with him there. And it benefits my child in the, in the long run. So I think it's just taking the focus off of I and putting it onto my child. Does my child benefit from this? If so, why does it have to be me? Mm. That's a yeah, really good way of, of looking at it. And as a result of your situation and your experiences, you now obviously coach other parents around the, the topic of co-parenting. How did that develop? Was that, I mean, how long have you been doing that for now? I've only realistically probably about six months, to be fair. And okay. it, it kind of organically happened. I started the Raising Boys to Men Instagram page just for it to be a virtual kind of like photo album of me and my kids. Mm. Just something we could look back on when we're older and say, oh, remember this video, remember that. But along the process, I started giving my opinion on certain topics in terms of co-parenting and videos just started taking off. And people started DMing me and asking me for questions, asking me questions and for my advice on this, my advice for that. And in the last probably three months, the page has just gone crazy in my eyes. Mm. And, um, and it just made me want to help more. So, okay, people seem to not really understand what co-parenting is. Let me break it down to them. Let me put a few things together. So then I started delivering workshops on co-parenting. Then I'd have men come to me and say, this is my experience. I'd get DMs with men, uh, some with mental health worries, mm. um, really going through hard times, just wanting someone to talk to. Okay, let's talk. Let me let me support you through one or two things. And sometimes all it is, is just knowing that you've got someone there that understands what you're going through, is neutral and can change your way of thinking. I think some a lot of the, the problems we have as men is we we turn to other men that support our way of thinking. Right. And that doesn't necessarily help us grow. Mm. Yeah. So it's knowing, and, and we all do that. We know if we go to Dave, he's going to agree with me. So therefore let me go to Dave. But mm. Dave isn't helping you grow. He's just, <laughs> he, he's just comforting the type of person you are. Yeah. And almost enabling it as well, enabling that behavior just to continue. And then, you know, there's, there's, there's no progression. I mean, I can only imagine what, your DMs look like and the the, the types of scenarios and, and situations that, that people find themselves in. What are you, I think, I think I know the answer to this because of things you've said previously, but what are the sort of top tips or advice that you're, you're giving people straight off the bat when it comes to helping them through this? So if we're talking about co-parenting, right, I think the focus is not to focus on co-parenting, focus on parenting. Right. Okay. So whenever, if I say co-parent to you, you're immediately going to think of the other woman. You're not going to think about the child. And I think that's, that's the problem. We become so engulfed about the other parent. What are they doing? Where are they going? Our job and our only job is to parent our child. Mm. Co-parenting just simply means the intimate relationship between the man and the woman no longer exists. Yeah. 
So let's focus on parenting. Be the best parent you can be. Um, so that is my number one tip. Invest more into your child. It will make your child happier. You'll benefit from that. And your co-parent relationship will probably benefit from that. Yeah. It's, again, a, a solid bit of advice, which sounds so simple, but when emotions and, you know, circumstances and, and like you say, I think just the, maybe the, the stresses and strains of life, plus then adding, you know, you mentioned sort of people that get in contact and there's, there's mental health concerns or whatever. I think when you've got that, all of this mix of things going on, sometimes it must be so difficult to just see clearly and to just take a step back and, and just assess. You know why I'm a big big advocate of therapy for men as well. I feel like if you hear everything we've spoken about today, I was carrying that. So the, the situations with my dad, domestic domestic abuse, so many other things, I carried that as a child. Mm -hmm. So as men, I've said this a lot, we, we have the mentality sometimes that we just need to limp, limp it off. Mm -hmm. If we get injured on the football pitch, limp it off, carry on, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And we take that mentality with, with our mental thoughts as well. Like, you know what? I'll be all right. I'll just get through it. But you can't limp off the mental baggage that you carry. It just weighs you down. And the older you get, the more baggage you are carrying. Yeah. And if you don't release that, it will come out in other ways. Mm. And when you talk to people and you, you recommend that idea, because I do feel as though there's obviously a lot of conversation around mental health at the moment. It's probably, you know, in discussion more than it's ever been. When you talk to other dads about that, you know, that they might need to go to therapy or that, you know, they might need to have a chat with someone and unpack all of this, this baggage that they're carrying. What are the reactions, you know, are you, are you seeing progression in this where people are now kind of a little bit more open to this? To be to be a hundred percent honest, since I've really started talking about it on my platform, I get a lot of men asking me, "Okay, where did I find my therapist? Mm. How did I get into it?" So I feel like sometimes we just need to see another man doing it, right? And and then we we're like, "Okay, you know what? I can do that as well. Let me give that a try." But when we often feel like it's just us, like no one else around me is doing this, and that's why if we just look at our circle, sometimes we stay in that circle. We have to look outside of our circle sometimes in order to grow. They say you're a product of your environment, right? So you're literally going to become what, what you're around the most. So sometimes it's stay, stepping away from that environment in order to, I use the word again, in order to grow, in order to better yourself. So I guess seeing someone like myself on social media openly talking about things, people that don't know me, will then be like, okay, this man, this man's got it together. Look at what this man is doing. They don't know my story fully, mm. but yet they will see, okay, he's growing. He's building himself up. This is how he's done it. Let me give it a try. Yeah. And again, this is where we see the beauty of social media. And, you know, the, I think the reach sometimes that videos can have, you, you don't know when you sat there and, and record your little video, you just don't know where that's going to end. Um, and for me, that's just an amazing thing on, on social media, just being able to, to spread that message and, and get it further out. For you personally, obviously, you, you know, you, you're talking the talk there. You, you yourself, you've gone to therapy and you've, you've really benefited from doing that. Do you remember how that felt for the first time? Was it, something that you were resistant to before or were you quite open to the idea of doing it? Um, I, I've been resistant for so long. My mum was very much an advocate of you need therapy. You need to unpack things that's happened with your dad, happened in this house. And I was, I was just like, I don't need it. I'm good. I'm fine. And then my partner was saying the same thing. So I thought, you know what, let me give this a go. Let me give this a go contacted an, uh, a therapist company and was allocated a therapist who I didn't know. I didn't know who they were, what they looked like until I arrived. And then he opened the door and I saw this younger, younger male. And I just remember instantly thinking, ah, oh, damn, like this is going to be awkward. What's he going to know? 
how am I good? Like explaining everything I've been through to a younger person, just, it made me feel a bit uneased at first, but then through, through just having conversations instantly, I loosened up and I was like, okay, this is, this is good. But there were moments where I would wait for him to tell me the answer. So I'd be talking about something and then I'd look to him for him to give me his opinion. And he never would. He'd just ask me another question. And then I realized, okay, this isn't about him giving me the answers. This is about him helping me find the answers. And from that day, this was a couple of months back. It's just been something I look forward to every week. And I just feel like every man should just have this. Someone neutral that isn't going to judge you, that can help you figure yourself out. Yeah. As I say, the conversation around therapy, I think it's the most progressive that it's it's probably ever been. You know, I feel like a lot more people are, are choosing to, to do it. And, you know, we've, we've lived an interesting last couple of years alone, never mind the stuff that's gone on prior to that. So I, I think for a lot of people, there probably is a lot of things that they, they need to un- unpack. And yeah, I've, I've just always been really intrigued by, you know, what, what goes on in those, those sessions. And almost, almost asking myself, like, is it something that I need? You know, you, I think sometimes maybe you think of, I think traditionally that's the problem. Maybe traditionally you think of therapy as you've got something wrong with you. You need to go and talk to, to someone. And clearly that's not necessarily the case, is it? You know, it's, it's, it's more about that, that conversation. And I guess you might have a, a goal in mind, but it's not necessarily a negative thing that you need to, to go and sit down and speak with someone. I just think it's, it's, it should be a part of everyday health. Mm. I look at it like if, if we live to be to 70 and we've never had therapy, imagine how much mental baggage you will be carrying if you live that long. Yeah. To not have certain stops where you can say, you know what, I'm going to offload some of this baggage now. Yeah. Like to lighten up the, the rest of the journey. I, that's how I look at therapy now. It's allowed me to offload some of the baggage I was carrying and now made the rest of my journey a bit lighter. Yeah. I think you're like the analogy king. <laughs> with these analogies they're, they're brilliant they just you, know, you just like, hit the nail on the head so well with with them it's um it's amazing you've mentioned a couple of times uh your partner um so there's now a another relationship that uh that, that you're that you're yeah. currently in knowing what you've experienced before is this having an impact in terms of what you're thinking for the future, in terms of this relationship that you're now in? I feel that I know myself mm-hmm. now. I feel like in, in the past, I haven't known myself, I haven't loved myself, to be honest. And I feel like when you don't love yourself, you seek that love from someone else and they can never, f- they can never fill that void. Mm-hmm. So going into a relationship now, knowing and being com- confident in who I am, I know the type of woman that matches me. Mm. Whereas when you don't know yourself, you don't know who matches you. So you could just put your hand in a jar and pull out anything and be like, okay, this is, this is for me. I'll take this. So to know what my purpose is, what my vision is, um, the type of man I am, I can now meet someone and know if they can stand alongside me, which is why it's so important that us as men and, and, and women as well, we know who we are. We're in love with ourselves because you will attract the right person to that. Yeah. So, so important. And from a, your kids are obviously growing and, you know, literally, well, their formative years have gone anyway, but they're, you know, you've got a young teenager, a 14 year old, for example. How do you speak to him on on, on this topic, you know, is again, you're a very open book from a, from an online perspective and, you know, loved this conversation that we've had. He's obviously aware now, you know, of all the, the things that have gone on a, a, around him. How do you think, yeah. How do you, how do you communicate that with a, with a 14 year old? I'm quite like, he follows, he follows the Instagram page as well. Mm. So um, I just feel like sometimes it's best Obviously, I will never on these platforms say his mum's name or say any of the the, the mum's names. And I, I never put them down. Yeah. If anything, I put myself down. 
Um, but I just think honesty, it's just so important. My youngest doesn't need to know anything, but my my eldest, I have certain conversations with him even now as he's getting into those years. Mm. Um, I won't think twice about it. Let me just have this conversation with him because I'd rather him learn certain things from me than learn it out there from other people. So, yeah. And again, I think, you know, he's, he's got, in his corner, he has that male support that, you know, you were saying you you, you didn't have growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously someone that can speak not only from experience, but just, you know, speak so well on the topic. I guess that's probably going to be good. You know, we'll stand him in good stead for, for whatever future decisions he makes in his life. I've absolutely loved this conversation. I feel as though, I feel like we could have done another hour where we kind of unpack so many other elements around it. But I think, I think we, I think we've done enough. And I think what's really interesting for me is that there is stuff that you said that I know will benefit other people that are listening to this. Um, I'm amazed at the cross section of people that are listening to this podcast and (laughs) it's, you know, it's a real broad range, but with each episode, people are like, I hadn't really thought about that. Or, you know, I find myself in this situation or I've got a friend who's in this situation. So, you know, this has really helped me think. And I think that's exactly how I feel about, you know, this, this particular episode, I think it's going to be so, so beneficial um, to lots of different people. As you know, we like to close out the podcast with a, a couple of questions. We, we keep the diary theme going um, throughout this. So the first question that I'm going to ask you is, if you had to look back on your time as a father, as a series of diary entries, which moment or moments stand out to you the most? Oh, um, obviously the unpacking of my child when he was first given to me. (laughs) Um, But also I remember wiping his bum for the first time in the hospital and he had a, he had a nappy on and, and I think the nurse or someone said, Oh, he needs his nappy changed. So I was like, okay, I've got this stand back. And I, I go over and I I take off the nappy and I see green poo. Yeah. And I freaked out because no one, no one warned me. No (laughs) I didn't know this was normal. So I'm like, his poo's green. Can someone, what's, what's going on? Can someone help? And he was like, no, that's, that's, that's fine. That's normal. He's a newborn. I was like, okay, so my baby's not an alien. Okay. Um, I'm okay. Um, that really st- stood out for me. Cause I just didn't, I'd never wiped a baby's bottom before. And um, if I think about recently, one thing people didn't realize is when it comes to co-parenting, especially over lockdown, um, I didn't see my children physically for a few months because we were told not to mix households. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a massive struggle for me. And there's a video on my page where um, I go to Tyler's house and I knock on the door and I haven't seen him physically for a couple of months. And he says, who is it? And I say, dad, he opens, runs in, jumps into my arms. Mm-hmm. That's a moment I will never forget. I never want to go through again. But I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, so I remember seeing that video and just, for me, that was just understanding. Well, it was nice to see that bond, the bond between you two, which I knew existed anyway. But actually seeing that play out in real life, because, yeah, we didn't even talk about the, you know, the, the lockdown situation and, and how like tricky that was. But, you know, you just saying there that that was you know, a couple of months that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very long time. So, yeah, again, I think you're to be commended just purely on everything that had built up beforehand that meant that at the point where you guys could be reunited, it was obviously always going to be a, a really happy, happy occasion. And the next question is, what date or dates are you looking forward to in the diary this year? We share a date, Ben. Okay. We act- we actually share a, 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 an upcoming date, um, June the eighteenth, yes. are the Fatherhood Awards. Yes. Um, so we've both been nominated. I'm very confident you're going to win. I have a handful of awards. You know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like 
strange things happen at these things. Whenever there's <laughs> voting and all of this stuff, it can go anyway. Um, but that is on June the 18th. And I think that's the day before Father's Day. Mm. So those are two, that's a nice weekend when I think about it. So um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great event. And obviously I sat down for a conversation with, with Donald, one of the founders, um, yeah. a, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, we had such a, an amazing conversation. And it's it's needed, you know. I, I think I'm I'm looking forward to that brand growing because you know I think we all started these Instagram pages for very different reasons. You know, like you said, yours was just this visual diary of of what was going on. For myself, it was very similar, but it was just that I just wanted people to know how chaotic my life was some of the time. <laughs> um, so we kind of start these things with no expectations and then to be nominated in the categories that we are, and you know, for the things that we're being nominated for, you know, it, it's, I, I don't, I, it hasn't really sunk in for me actually that, you know, sometimes that people are coming to your page and that they're actually really, really enjoying things. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, again, you're looking at your page, just, given the nature of the, the topic, I think what you've done so well is you've been able to take a topic that for some people is either taboo or very difficult to talk about. And then you've just developed it and you speak about it so well and it's captivating. Like I'm not in this situation, but I watch all of your stuff because I just think I want to hear what he's got to say on this topic. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, share that video with someone that I think is, is, is doing very well. So um, whatever the results of the awards, I think, you you know, I, I love what you're doing um, and I, I'm glad that we share that date um, together. And also another thing that was, I think it's definitely worth mentioning is when we were talking on Insta DM, you sent me a link to your book that, that came out a few months ago. Tell me just a little bit more about that and maybe let people know where they can get hold of that. Okay, perfect. So the book is called Learn From Me and it's available on Amazon. And it's really a book for a child to take to not just a dad um, or a mum, but they can take it to an auntie, an uncle or any adult and learn something different from each conversation with those individuals. So even if they've done it with their dad and they've unpacked certain things with their dad and learned from their dad and their dad's learned from them, they can then take it to their mum and learn something completely different. So it was so important for me to have certain conversations with my children about resilience, um, finances, just topics that they might not, not, might not necessarily talk about in school. Let's have those conversations with our children, but allow them to also have the conversations with other adults. So yeah, it's on Amazon. Learn from me. Um, please go and get a copy. And, um, and yeah, and I hope you and your child enjoy it. Amazing. I think it will be a valuable, valuable resource to, to lots of people and just definitely great for, for getting, as you say, getting conversations going. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to, to, to continuing to follow you and, and sort of just following your journey. Ben, you are greatly appreciated. Please know that. Thank you so much, sir.